Welcome to our class on Chassidus. We're going to be learning a beautiful Chassidic discourse from the Rebbe. The name of the Chassidic discourse is called Vayigash Elov Yehuda. The Rebbe said this Chassidic discourse on Shabbos, Parshas Vayigash, which was Hey Tevis, the fifth day in the month of Tevis, in the year Tavshin Memches, 35 years ago. So again, the Chassidic Discourse is based on the opening verse in this week's Torah portion where it says, Vayigash Elov Yehuda, that Yehuda confronted Yosef HaTzadik. <clears throat> so the Rebbe brings and he says, the whole idea on a spiritual level of Yehuda confronting Yosef is referring to in Kabbalah the Yichud, the oneness of Yehuda and Yosef. <clears throat> the same thing also, we find in the Haftorah of this week's Torah portion, it speaks about the way in the future, there's going to be two staffs, two, two sticks, two staff, which is represented by, on a spiritual level, the staff, the eights of Yehuda, and the eights of Ephraim, the staff of Yehuda and the staff of Ephraim. And the prophet says, even though you can have one staff of Yehuda, and one staff of Ephraim, Ephraim is, is represented is, is Yosef's sons, referring to the tribe of Yosef. But nevertheless, it says, Umelech There's going to be one king. Who's going to be that one king over Judah and over Yosef, Ephraim? It's going to be King David. Like the, like the verse says, The Avdi David, my servant King David, Melech Aleim will be the king over them. The David Avdi, my servant David, is going to be Nasi Lahem Lo'ilom. It's going to be a prince on them forever. In other words, so even though we mentioned Yehuda, we mentioned Ephraim, here we're supposed to be talking about Yehuda and Yosef. So Rebbe says, because Ephraim of the two sons, a Menashe and Ephraim that Yosef had, Ephraim is the main stay of Yosef's tribe. Like it says, like it says clearly in the Torah. Um, nevertheless, Achiva Katain, the younger one, referring to Ephraim, Yigdali Menu is going to be much greater than Menasha, and uh, he was actually the head of the tribe, which included within Ephraim, Menasha is included. Like it says in the Torah clearly, the olive on him, Mate Menasha, the tribe of Menasha. So Ephraim is represented by, by, by is representing Yosef. And uh, King David comes from, we know, from the tribe of Yehuda. So in other words, so you see that the, the essence of the Haftorah is the union of Yosef and Yehuda as they're both going to be under one king of King David. Now, Jehovah says we know that the Torah is everlasting. In other words, so since the Torah is everlasting, so just like the Torah is everlasting, the lesson, Torah comes from the word of Herod, the lessons from the Torah are also everlasting to each and every one of us. In other words, even the story, which is going to be in the future, is also everlasting and it applies to today. So if you have a story of the future, it's everlasting and it applies today as well. Especially stories of the past apply to us today of Yehuda confronts Yosef. Now, since the Torah was given to teach us a lesson, like it says clearly in the Torah, Tzabas B'nai Yisrael, command the Jewish people, Dabra B'nai Yisrael, speak to the Jewish people. So obviously all of it is a lesson to every single one of us. 
And the, the lesson is something that applies to every single person. And what, what applies to each and every one of us. We know what it says clearly. That every single one of us were created. We are created to serve Hashem. We're all here to serve Hashem. So there's supposed to be a lesson in our service of Hashem. So now the Rebbe is going to explain it as follows. And he says as follows. I was going to explain it based on what's brought down in different Hasidic discourses that the spiritual idea of Yehuda and Yosef, so Yehuda we know is Yehuda, he's a tribe Yehuda and Yosef, what does it mean practically on a spiritual level? It's referring to the idea of Talmud, learning Torah, and Maisa action. As we know, the famous argument in the Talmud, what is greater? Is Talmud greater or is action greater? So Yehuda, that was the, the, the strong one, the powerful one from the brothers, and he is the king. And as we know that what Yehuda's job was to, to, to tell us exactly how, uh, to, the ruling, how he's supposed to do things. So Yehuda represents the idea of what of action. And this is the same idea of King David. Because what does it say in reference to King David? That King David was God's servant. Now what does that mean? What does it mean a servant? The servant means he's doing what the good master is telling to him. So as Yehuda, who is the king, is represented by the idea of, of, of action. And to say what the rule is. And the same thing also King David, who was represented by the idea of a servant. Servant does what his master tells him to do. So Yehuda is connected to what? Learning. Talmud. Yosef on the other, uh, which is action. Mean you, you there's more action. Yosef on the other hand is more learning. Talmud. Why? Because what's the whole idea of Talmud? You learn it and you get into it and you get more into it and you study and you struggle and you come, you have conversations about it. In other words, so Yosef comes from the word of adding. So when you learn and when you discuss and you, when you think about it and you analyze it, you're actually adding by your learning. Because when you comprehend things, you meditate on it, you actually add to it. And that's the whole idea of Yosef. Yosef comes from the word of Yosefah. The idea is to add. And through learning, you add. And this is, this is the same idea referenced to Ephraim. Why? Because what's Ephraim mean? Ephraim means that he multiplied, he added. Which again, it's the same idea of Yosef. Just like Yosef is to add, Ephraim is to add. Where do you add? Where you add when you learn Torah. Now, so again, so Yehuda is represented by action. King David is action. Yosef is learning. And Ephraim is also learning. Because you're adding as you learn. But the Rebbe says the ultimate intent is that both of them should come, they, they should both be unified. The action and the study should be unified. In other words, what does that mean practically? That you should have the impact of learning in our actions, and you should have the impact of action in our learning. It should go both ways. What does that mean practically? In other words, the impact of uh, that action has when you're learning is self-understood like and he brings from from the from a from a, from a powerful discourse from the Rebbe Rashab in the year Tafarishamahbab and he explains very simple when a person learns and you know that what you're learning is gonna is gonna play a role in a, in action in other words, the way you're learning, you're going to come to an outcome, this is what you need to do, or this is what you don't do. So what happens then is, when you're learning, just academically you're learning, so you're learning, you're off the charts. But when you're learning to bring out, okay, what do I do, or what don't I do, etc. So then you're totally in a, in learning, I'll say in Hebrew, I'll translate, in a level of bittel, in a level of, of acceptance, to know what is the truth, what does Hashem really want from us. Because it, but, because you see that it's, that, that it's practical. So here you see the impact that 
action has on learning. Because you can learn, you can study for hours, and what you learn, I, it was exciting, it was interesting. But what, what's the message? But when you learn and you have to walk away with a message, something practical, what do we do? So the learning is much more focused. So that's the impact that action has on learning. On the other hand, what impact does studying have on action? In other words, not only you study, so you need to know what to do, because if you don't learn, how are you going to know what to, what, what to do? You have to know what to do and what not to do. But also, when you learn, you have to learn in a way that you're comprehending it, in a way that you're like really getting deeply, d- deeply involved in it. Because in order to come with a ruling, you have to really get get into the learning, and you have to know what it means, what what the, what 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 it's saying, and what does that mean, and all the details, etc. So in other words, you see that the the the. Uh, <clears throat> The, with the learning of, uh, um, uh, has an impact, impact on the action because basically through learning you know what to do. Again, so you see clearly that the one hand you have studying, one hand you have action, and each one impacts the other one. The study impacts the action, the amp- action impacts the study. Now, so ba- based on what we just learned, Dribba says, so the fact is like this, you're learning and you're studying, but studying is so to speak outside of the person. The and the action is outside the person. Why? There's me, and there's the action I'm doing. So it is my action, but it's still outside of me. But the fact is, is even a step deeper. The truth is, these two components you have within the person himself. Where do you have the two components of Yehuda and Yosef and the person himself? So that's when referring to that, we know that in, in Kabbalah there's a term called avoid the work. It doesn't mean working what you do for a living. It means a spiritual work. So prayer is called avoid the Shabbalayim. When a person prays that you're working your heart. And as we know that when a person prays, so before we do the ultimate in the prayer service, which is the Shmon Esrei, so right before you have the, the last blessing is, is, is of redemption. You want to bring redemption close to prayer. And so the says, till now we learned that Yehuda is represented by action, and Yosef is represented by learning, and they each one connect with each other. But nevertheless, whatever say, that's from outside with us. You're learning outside yourself, and actions are outside of yourself. But nevertheless, here, prayer is with internally within you, and the redemption is within you. And these two components of redemption and prayer, that is Yehu, Yosef and Yehuda. What's the connection? And they're explaining like this. When it comes to prayer, and let's say the, the ultimate in the prayer service, what's the, the peak of the prayer service where it's, where it's said quietly? It's the, the, the Shemon Esrei. And when a person prays, why do you, why do you say, why do we, when we come to Shemon Esrei, there's a quiet in the synagogue? Because then a person's on, on the highest level of acceptance. In Hebrew, again, it's called bittel. You're on a level of, of, of acceptance. So prayer, in a state of acceptance, what is that represented by Yehuda? Why? Because when 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 Yehuda was born, what did his mother say? Hapam, now, oides Hashem. I'm going to basically acknowledge. Yehuda comes from Haidoya to acknowledge. So Yehuda's name was given because now his mother was accepting, thanking Hashem. Now, what happened after Yehuda was born? What does it say in the Torah? But Tamoid Miladis, she stopped giving birth to any 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 future children at that time. Why is that? Because when a person comes to the level of Haidoya, when you're totally in the level of you're totally accepting, you come to a place where you're standing, total acceptance for Tamoid, and you literally stop producing more. You're like you're you're frozen in a good way. 
Now, so Yehuda again is representative idea of prayer, acceptance, amida, etc. Before the prayer, before you have Haidoya, before you have total acceptance, what do you have before that? You have redemption. And that is connected to who? To Yosef Atzadik, which Yosef already learned before is all about adding. Because why? What's the whole idea of redemption? You're free. Which basically you're adding to the, you're, you're adding to the experience, and especially the says when you're dealing with the redemption, that's in a way that's pada b'shalom nafshi, that my soul is redeemed in a peaceful way, mikrabli from those that so to speak were close to me that want to destroy me. So what happens is you don't have God forbid a piece of krab the people that are close to want to hurt you, but you have the, re- the redemption which is done in a play of peace. So that's that's that that's total that's total to, to adding to the experience. Now you're free. So again, so Yehuda's acceptance in prayer, Yosef is adding his redemption, and that's the whole idea. What we do right from from redemption, which is represented by Yosef Atzadik, we go to Tefillah, which is Yehuda, because you want to have the union of Yehuda and Yosef, which is basically we learned before the two ideas of of study and action. Again, study was the whole idea of of of, of Yosef and Yehuda was action. Which is connected again to Geula, which is Yosef at Sadik, and Tfilah, which is which is Yehuda, which is Yehuda, and they're together, and they actually become one. And this ultimate union, where they become one, where is it ultimately going to happen? It's going to happen in the future. Mashiach comes, as the prophet says, with David, Avdi, Nasi, Lahelm, Laoilam, that King David is going to be the prince forever. Now, everybody asks a simple question. In other words, when you look at the whole story. Of Yehuda coming close to Yosef, and it speaks about all the different words that Yehuda says to Yosef. And as, as, the, as the verse says, he says, I would like my servant, referring to himself, Yehuda, to speak something in the words of the master Yosef Sadik. And Rashi says, What does it mean, which means that my word should enter into your ear? And afterwards, he tells him everything. Everything that happened, he tells him everything that the Torah tells us that he told him. So, ever says one second. Why is the Torah telling us all the details that Yehuda told Yosef? Why is it important? He came and he told him. Why does the Torah tell us all the details? That's question number one. Question number two is: After Yehuda speaks, so what happens? So the Torah tells us. That's it. Yosef couldn't resist, and he and he basically and he and he broke down. In other words, obviously, if Yosef didn't break down till now. When did he break down? After Yehuda spoke to him. So obviously, something that Yehuda said triggered within Yosef that he should be able to not be able to resist, hiding the secret that he's a brother. But the reference is one second. Everything that Yehuda told Yosef, Yosef knew already. Yosef knew who was the, bro- his, the brothers. And matter of fact, in their, in their conversations, he repeated, everything was already said before. So what happened now at this moment that Yosef had a total breakdown? What happened now? So the Rebbe explains, and he says something beautiful and something very, very powerful, and this is really the heart of the Hasidic discourse, and he says like this. The Rebbe brings, based on what's explained in a, in a, in a classical Hasidic discourse from the Mittler Rebbe, the second Chabad Rebbe, in his classical works in the Parsha called Torah Chaim, and he says like this. What was the novel idea that took place over here? That Yehuda spoke to Yosef. So, so the Mittler Rebbe explains in this, this powerful book of Torah's Chaim that Yehuda, what did he do? He elevated everything to a very, very high level. 
What does that mean? He was able to create a transformation and a refinement in the whole experience. How did he do that? By elevating it to its source. Again, this is the key. Yehuda took the whole experience that was going on between Yehuda and Yosef and the brothers, and he took it to its source. What does that mean? In you, it never explains. When Yehuda was speaking to Yosef, what was he talking to him about? About the fact that they sold Yosef at Tzaddik. Now, why is he bringing that up? It's, if you look at face value, that's a terrible thing. They sold a brother. And not only that, was it a ter- it was seemingly was a terrible thing. The fact was, the fact is, Yehuda was downgraded because of it. Like the Torah says clearly, by Yehud Yehuda, Yehuda had a downgrade. What does that mean? They, Yehuda was the big brother. He was the head hancho. And guess what? They, they, he, he, had to, he was not anymore the head. They took him off from being in charge. Because their argument was, because Yosef was sold because of Yehuda. Because if he, Yehuda would have said, don't sell Yosef, don't hurt, don't hurt Yosef, they wouldn't have. So, you, so the fact that they sold Yosef was a terrible thing, and even Yehuda had a downgrade from it. So why is Yehuda talking about it? And the Rebbe explains, because when Yehuda was talking about it, he actually elevated the whole experience to its source, and over there it's a very, very powerful thing. And face value, Yosef was sold, it was terrible, and yes, Yehuda was downgraded. But if you look the way things are taking place from heaven, if you look the way God's perspective, it's all good. There's two different lenses. There's a view from below. Oh my gosh, Yosef was sold, Yehuda was downgraded because of it. But Yehuda was able to pick everyone up. Let me take, let's go, let's look at the way God looks at it. And from God's perspective, something amazing happened over here. So what happens that then was when he elevated to a whole different level, what was revealed from God's perspective when Yehuda elevated the whole conversation, what was revealed was that Yosef being sold was a very, very high, important part of Jewish history. And like Yosef himself later on in the Torah says, Ki God sent me here. You didn't do it. God sent me here so that I can provide you what you need. And like he says, I became the whole father of the Parai. I became in charge over here. In other words, Yehuda totally shifted that they can see it from a godly perspective. It was an amazing thing that happened that Yosef was sold. Again, we, it's hard for to see it. But guess what? From a God's perspective, yes. And Yosef admits it. Now, how did you have the power to do that? I mean, that's huge. To be able to elevate the whole experience to, to see it from a godly perspective. And you're saying, yes. Because Yehuda is someone that's represented by Oida Bittel. Yehuda had the ultimate, ultimate level of acceptance, ultimate level of humility. So because he had tremendous hu- hu- humility, he was able to reveal reveal what happened, and he was able to reveal it in Yosef itself. So the power of Yehuda was, because of his humility, he was able to totally show everyone the powerful experience that was taking place here. And because of that, he was able to create something totally new in Yosef Tzaddik. Up to the point that when he sees it from that level, that it was all great, and it was all God's plan, then the Torah tells us, 
after Yehuda did that, Yosef couldn't, he couldn't hold back. And he started to cry. Now, as we know in Kabbalah, where, where does crying come from? Why does someone cry? Where do tears come from? Crying, it's a very powerful idea. Why do people cry? Because something that the brain cannot comprehend, it's too powerful for the brain, so that's when tears come out. In Kabbalah, it's called Mimoisri HaMoichen. When the, the intellect is an overload, that's when you start crying. And as it came from such a powerful revelation that the intellect couldn't, couldn't grasp it. And therefore, since he couldn't grasp it, he cried, and he could, and he couldn't hold himself back. And that's the powerful, novel idea that took place here. Even Yosef Atzadik was not able to hold himself back, because even though we know, generally speaking, Yosef was much higher than the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the tribes. And like it's brought down in uh, the, the explanation, how, why was Yosef higher than everyone else? Because the fact is, the, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the tribes, so we know they chose to take care of sheep. Because they wanted to have his boy to do this. They wanted to be disconnected from the world. However, we know Yosef at Tzadik, he had the power to be connected to God. To the essence of God, and as in Hebrew, it's called that smusim husisberg. Yosef had the power to connect to the essence of God, and even when he was the head, the the head of Egypt, he was Mishnah Lamelach. He was second to Para. He still connected to Hashem. So even though Yosef was so powerful, nevertheless, and like the Medrash tells us, what Yaakov said, oh my gosh. My, my son is still alive, which means Rab Oy Yosef Nichai. So the Bedra says, what does that mean? That ya ya Yaakov admitted that Yosef is a greater tzaddik than Yaakov. Why? Because Yosef has much more powers than Yaakov. And even Yaakov admitted it. So in other words, here, here you're dealing with Yaakov, that Yosef is so powerful, but nevertheless, after Yehuda, with his humility, he was ele able to ele elevate the whole experience that people were able to see that God was really running the show up to the point where Yigash, Elab Yehuda, Yehuda confronted Yosef. How did he confront him? Not with arrogance, but with tremendous humility. So this humility that Yehuda had, it affected such a powerful revelation even higher than Yosef. As we said, Yosef was so powerful and more powerful than the tribes and the patriarchs. But nevertheless, he was able to elevate, he was able to even higher than Yosef at Tzaddik. Why? Through, through accept, acceptance and bittal. Up to the point that Yosef couldn't resist. Up to the point that the whole, the voice was heard in the whole Paris kingdom. And like Yerba explains according to Kabbalah, what does it mean, Paroi? It's the house that everything is revealed. All levels of lights are revealed. And like to explain that Lent and the Zoyer, up to the point of Atzmusim Husisbarach, everything was re revealed. So again, to recap, before we go further, so what the Rebbe is saying is, the, the novel idea that took place here was that Yehuda, through his acceptance, was able to elevate the whole experience and people were able to see from a godly perspective that whatever happened was happening because Hashem wanted and it was all for the good. And the Rebbe finishes off and he says, it should be the will of Hashem, that when we speak about these ideas, we will merit very, very soon to the fulfillment of the prophecy that it says in the prophet that in a literal level we're going to have the union of Yehuda and Ephraim up to the point where it's going to be totally one and we're going to have King David's going to be the leader and the simcha with joy with tuv levav and gladness of heart with takef umiyad mamish which means literally we are going to merit to have King David is going to take us all to Eretz Yisrael and we're going to celebrate 
um, with Mashiach Tzitkenu, and God willing, our next class will be in Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh. Another beautiful Hasidic discourse, and it really inspires us to look at things from a godly perspective. When we look at things from a godly perspective, it's all great, and it's all amazing, and again, like the Rebbe says, hopefully we'll all merit to have, and witness it, and we're gonna have, with, with, with joy and happiness, we will have the coming of Mashiach, and again, next week's class will be in Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh. Have a great and blessed week. Shavua Tov.